0: You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. Hey, what is up, Internet? This is Alex. And it's Frank. And it's Amy. And we are Filmmakers. And we're drinking bourbon. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers indeed. Wait, uh, we can't cheers because we haven't even poured it yet. What?
1: That we have not.
0: Amy, what do you want? Do you want Makers 46, do you want Buffalo Trace, or do you want Evan Williams in a plastic bottle?
1: <laughs> um, dealer's choice.
0: <laughs> I'll give you the Makers.
2: Perfect. I'll sit here silently because I was prepared.
0: <laughs>
2: what did you pour? <laughs> uh, I did Buffalo Trace. Mm. I'll
0: just give you that. I'll take the last little bit of it, which is just a slip. All right. All right don't worry i'll pour more later (laughs) jesus all right cheers cheers guys amy hi faust yes welcome to the show thank you who are you and what do you do
1: i am um a focus puller uh here in town um i worked with I had the pleasure of working with Alex on several occasions, but I've been uh, here in Cincinnati for about 12 years, um, pulling focus and also camera operating and generally being a badass.
0: Being a badass. Badass. Love it. <laughs> one of the um, hot topic of the day, female filmmakers, one of the few in the city... That's true. ...in the camera department.
1: That's true as well. Yeah, um, we also have... Um, a second named Megan. Um, But other than that, there's not a ton Mm -hmm. of uh, women in the camera department here in town.
2: How did those questions make you feel? Yeah,
1: I get it a lot, honestly, especially in the Me Too movement era. Um, But um, it's, you know, growing up as or coming up as a woman in a a field that's generally male um, is something that comes up a lot. I actually get a lot of questions from aspiring female filmmakers and things like that about how to handle yourself and and how to conduct yourself which is basically the same as you would for anyone if you were a man um but as I've as I've come up it's not um as difficult as it was when I first started when I first started of course people thought oh you're small let me take something out of your hands Mm -hmm. or you know let me you know tell you how it is that kind Mm -hmm. of thing I compare the the world of assisting to the world of pilots because I have some aviation filmmaking experience as well, and it's mm-hmm. kind of similar in terms of <clears throat> ego. But um, totally, you just you learn how to figure out a way to hold your own.
0: Is the director the pilot in that analogy?
1: <laughs> the operator is the, <laughs> the pilot operat- okay, got <laughs> it. Um or the first. I mean, I've had a lot of keys that um, they. I kind of come from the eat your young school of filmmaking, where yeah. they kind of scream at you, or if you make a mistake, because you're dealing with really expensive equipment and you're dealing with um, under under time and under a budget, and if you make a mistake, um, it can be detrimental to what you're doing. So a lot of people would kind of reinforce in a in a, in a tougher way. I tend not to do that with my crews because that just isn't isn't a way that I felt like is the best way to learn. But that's how I came up. So sure. you kind of develop a thick skin when you're being screamed at constantly. <laughs> yeah, which is a huge
2: benefit. I think. Yeah, I hope that uh, this year will be the year that we. Stop asking those questions. That, that
0: we stop saying female filmmaker? Yeah, like yeah. we're
2: just filmmaker. Like, oh, what's right. it feel like being a female <clears throat> filmmaker? What's it fil- feel like being a black filmmaker? Well, it doesn't like, right. matter it doesn't, because yeah.
0: now we have a, a Academy Award nominated cinematographer, Rachel Morrison. Yes, that was fantastic. I loved watching ass. that. Yeah. Did and you see Black Panther and Mudbound? I, I haven't have seen both. Mudbound. Yeah, I've yeah. seen.
1: I saw Mudbound, which is gorgeous but um, heartbreaking film, but yeah. um, absolutely gorgeous. And I saw Black Panther, who also has um, a badass female production designer who went to school really? with me Hannah Beekler, who's Ooh. um come up also and is just kicking ass and I love seeing it so I just like that in this day and age hopefully you're right Frank hopefully we won't be having to have the conversation of with using a distinction sure. at some point because it'll just be
0: no one's like what's it like to be a female doctor
1: right no, exactly what, what's it
0: like to be a female uh, taxi driver
1: I mean, you do get a little bit of that, you know, work and life balance, especially if you're a parent or something like that. But um, it would be nice. It it is nice that um, there's less of a distinction now, Um, although some, you know, I still get some DPs that come in and hire me and say, you know, are looking to hire because they say, well, I'm looking specifically to kind of fill a quota, Um, you know, to have a woman Uh um, on my crew or to have minorities (laughs) on my crew or that kind of thing, which I think affirmative action and all of that is really helpful. But at the same time, I think it should really be talent based and not based on how you
2: look 100 percent
0: yeah totally agreed so you're let's focus on the uh, focus on the focus part let's focus on the focus part um how did you get into this to that position can you kind of start like general entry into the industry what was that like and then what made you say oh camera department that's where i want to end up
1: sure um i started out kind of from childhood in in front of the camera i started out as a model and as an actor overseas and then um, when i moved back to the states um, don't gloss
2: over that yeah which
1: country i was in tokyo japan okay. um i have an identical twin sister and so when we were over there people are japan it was in the 80s people were pretty fascinated with americans yeah. in japan and so somebody literally approached my mom on a subway and said You know, can I take them in for a test screening? Is it something you'd be interested in? And we kind of took off from there. My sister became the Dairy Queen spokesperson.
0: Nice.
1: um, Posing next to a lot of uh, cheeseburgers. I'm sure she's cringing um, if I'm telling I'm sorry, April, if I'm telling you this story. but It's real life. It's fine. And um, so when we moved back to the States, I kind of continued in front of the camera. Um, Not a ton professionally. I did, you know, a couple of small things, like an Unsolved Mysteries episode and things like that in Columbus. But... um, Acting just in my spare time um, through community theater and school theater. And then once I got into college, I ended up um, taking a gap year because I wasn't, I've been acting for so long, I wasn't sure if that was something I really wanted to continue doing in college um, or if I wanted to learn something different. So I ended up traveling again overseas to Rome and I did my first semester of college as an art history major there, which kind of influenced my filmmaking camera. um, Sure. A lot because your studies in light, you know, from all of these Renaissance painters, Mm -hmm. Italian painters, that kind of thing. And obviously just the city itself of Rome is just insanely gorgeous. And so when I came back to Ohio, ran out of money and came back to Ohio, I decided, well... Let me look into photography and cinematography. Um, my grandfather's a photographer, so that's one of the things that has yeah. always interested me. And when I started looking doing, and doing research, Wright State University popped up as one of the best film programs. Is it the around. only in Ohio? It is not the only at the okay. time. It was at the time U C did not have a program, the kind of program they have now. Yeah. Um, and um, so it wasn't the only, but it was certainly the most. The one of the most notoriety like in repu- the area, reputable, reputable. Yeah. It's a great word, yes. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it's a state school, so the price was right. Sure. Um, but more than that, um, I started. I went there. I started talking to some of the professors. Um, they started talking about um, the strong networking capability that there are is with Wright State. There's a lot of professionals that are working in the industry that have come through Wright State and continue to, to give back to their alumni or to their students as alumni. And so that was something that was really exciting for me because everything in filmmaking is who you know, right? Mm-hmm, it's all networking. Totally. Every job is kind of an audition for the next job and so on and so forth. So I thought, well, being from Ohio, that's a great way to get started is at least have some of these cinematographers and other filmmakers come, come through and teaching classes. Mm-hmm. And then I can kind of bug them with email, via email or phone, phone when I get finished with school and, and kind of go from there. And so that's how it started. I went to Wright State.
2: What year did you start Wright State? Um, Frank's dating you.
1: <laughs> I think it was t- um, 20, or it was. I think it was O two, O one, or O two. And it took me a few years to graduate because I ended up kind of working and and mm. working in school and studying at the if same time. If you started
2: in O two, then we might have had the same first film class together. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Did you? You went to Wright State as well? Yep. Oh, great. Then yes, we probably did. <laughs> um, had Dr. Lafferty scare the living. <laughs> shit out of us when we were young and um basically saying most of the people in this room are not gonna graduate from the program which is true um you know my class
0: even those that do graduate might not it might not matter (laughs) it might not
1: survive and it might not matter whether or not you have a degree unfortunately but that was one of the reasons I went there was because of the networking and also the theory behind it and learning you know Mm -hmm. I mean of course I've been watching movies my whole life but to be more of an intelligent filmmaker is of course I think important um and so that's true, We I got there and my freshman class was like a hundred and some students. By the time I graduated, there was 11 in the class. Whoa. Because it's a conservatory program, so you have to audition every year. Yeah. Um, and um, Incredible. it was great, yeah, and um, through that program I met Lots of really interesting people. Um,
0: was your focus on cinematography? started yeah, okay. It was. Yeah, uh, it was.
1: Eventually, yeah. Once I went there and I started doing the classes, you do have to focus at some point. I think your sophomore year, you have to declare if you want to be you know, a production major. And if you do, then you can kind of go screenwriting and go directing and go cinematography, that kind of thing. And yeah. again, because I was a woman, um, people were kind of pushing me into the production role um, a little bit, which was which I ended up producing my my junior film because there was kind of an epic battle between several people of who was going to shoot. And I kept thinking, you know what? I just want to go to lunch. There'll yeah. be, an, be another <laughs> film, you know? Yeah. So I'll, I'll produce. That's fine, whatever. And um, the guy who ended up shooting is not in the business anymore. Oh, so man. sometimes you find out through doing that stuff that it's not something that you want to do. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely found that out of a production that that was not something that I was interested in as much. But And so I started doing... Um, second unit shooting for a lot of those films because there'd be, you know, people would get into edit and realize they needed something. And I did um, kind of an entirely different ending for one person's film. And then people started coming to me and saying, you know, I've got this I want to do, I've got that one I want to do. And so Mm. I would fill in there. And so, and then I was also an editor. I kind of started out in the editing side of things as well. Um, The first project that I did was for um, two of our professors, um, Julie Rickert and Steve Bognar, who were shooting a Cancer documentary, or a, docu- a six-hour documentary about children with cancer. Wow! Which was um, a beautiful piece, difficult to work on, but still really great. They went; to, they ended up going to Sundance with it. And they, six hours um, of footage. It's a long; it was a long, a long piece. And so to do, I was sound editing. Actually, I was doing um, Foley effects and that kind of thing, which was interesting. Um,
0: Taking your jobs, Bart. But uh,
1: yeah, trying to um, <laughs> to Foley. You know the sound of. A little kid getting a spinal tap was not exactly like my favorite thing to do, but Mm. but you know, um, they invited me to go to Sundance with them as they did with the entire crew that worked on it, and I was like, well, winter semester Sundance, what am I going to do? So I went to Sundance, you know, and then came back and would go and work and come back, and but that was the good thing about Wright State is they work with you Mm. if you've got something that you're doing, and they ended up, um, (laughs) you know, I finished my senior year almost entirely independent study because i was working and so i they kind of dr lafferty who is my advisor came to me at the end and said we're switching to semesters from quarters if you want to graduate you should do it now here's how here's several ways we can make it work at Mm. the time i was living in cincinnati so they let me kind of do independent study classes turn in assignments and i was kind of off to the races from there
0: that's awesome yeah i don't know a lot of programs that do that Yeah. yeah
1: they're really great about working with people um you know, they just want to have you as part of the, the you know, the, the Wright State lexicon. And at the time I had done a film, a 48 hour film that ended up winning awards and going to Cannes. And so they said, you know, can we use that as your senior project? And I was like, that's great. That works for both people. It's <laughs> great for me. And then they have it kind of in their credits as well. Exactly. So it yep. worked, you know, it worked well.
0: Wow. So, so you graduate from Wright State. Mm-hmm. What is your, what is your, fr- do you remember your first job out of school?
1: that's a great question cuz the line is so blurred but I know. generally i would say camera pa camera, camera into okay. camera pa or camera intern i i worked there wasn't um the wide amount of films that there are now at the time it was mostly independent film mm. um, so I can tell you my first job as a focus puller was um, for an independent film in Dayton um, that a DP named Marco Fragnoli, who is from um, the Wright Day program that now works in LA shoots the Mindy Project among other things um, he came and shot the film mm. and so I knew that um, it was somebody I wanted to work for um, and when he interviewed me he said you know how much experience do you have and I said very little. Um, and he but he was okay with that because honesty. you know, yeah, honesty is the best policy. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. sometimes you know when to front and sometimes you know when not to front. And sure. when you focus pull, you know when not to front because yeah. you have to be perfect at focus pulling and it's if you don't have focus the focus or it's not. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have the skills, flaunt it. If you don't have the skills, don't pretend like you do. <laughs> yeah. Say I'll do my best. Right. Yeah. It'll come out it'll I'll come out in the wash pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, he was great though and he um Taught me everything he knew about focus pulling, about how to find marks and that kind of thing, and you know how to mark your mark things if they're not, if they're if it's not an obvious um, mm.
0: reference obvious reference and, yeah. yeah
1: going in and finding reference points in the room sure. and all that kind of stuff and so I shot with him and then. The next spring, we had to shoot some second unit stuff. He wasn't available, so um, a local named Jeff Barkledge, who's mm. um, a cinematographer in our area, Who we still have to have on
0: the show. Yeah, yeah. who's amazing, <laughs> and you
1: should have him on the show because he knows yeah. more about you know he knows about both Burman and filmmaking, yes. and he'll be really fun to um, to interview because he's got about a million stories. Good guy. Um, yeah. He shot uh, Airborne if you guys are fans of Seth Green. Um, <clears throat> anyway, he came in for the second unit. He kind of saw how I was working and said, hey, you really have a knack for this kind of thing. Um, I'd like to work with you more. And I was kind of off to the races from there because between that film, True Nature, and when I moved to Cincinnati, which was probably a good four or five-year span, I spent a lot of time um, working for free. I spent a lot of time kind of giving my resume to different people, but it was difficult to break in because it was such a closed-knit community at the time. There wasn't a lot of growth. It was mostly a commercial market, and there there was only so much work. Um, And so it was difficult to kind of come in. I would second AC some yeah. um, uh, for for some of the established firsts in the area. Um, and then when I started doing focus pulling, I realized I kind of really enjoyed that piece because there's a lot of storytelling elements within focus sure. pulling. And as an actor, I was able to kind of connect with the actor and have a good, you know, I think, okay, I think maybe he's going to move here or maybe he's going to, you know, not do that move now mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And so those you know, uh. acting skills actually kind of played into the focus pulling in a way i never really thought would so Mm. once i started um, working with jeff he's such a um he was kind he's a mentor for me still is and he was the kind of person that just kind of shot it from the rooftops, this person's great user and so from there i kind of was off and and running a little bit
2: was this before or after you worked on spider-man
1: that was after. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man I worked on, um, it was a group of us that came, that went up to Cleveland from here um, that worked all worked as PAs. It was the second unit stuff, so it was Spider-Man 3. So one of the things I remember most was the scene where Sandman steals a dump truck and he's like mm-hmm. racing through the city and Can people remember. are um, following him and then th- the thing like crashes and falls over and like, and like flips over a couple of times. So we saw a lot of that kind of thing. Um, mm. A lot of the second unit crashes and stuff. But most of my life was spent like on a street corner trying to keep people from being killed. Uh, <laughs> <don't>,
2: <laughs> you know, nope. locking don't
1: up locking up people when nobody likes a PA, when everybody stops them from going to work. It was um, yeah. not the most rewarding experience in that regard, but I did get to see a lot of cool stuff. So that sure. was nice. Yeah.
2: Good credit, big name to have. Yeah. Exactly. And did you work on lockdown the entire time during that period? Pretty much,
1: yeah, because it was all second unit work. So it was almost entirely outside. It was a good two or three weeks of, of standing on a street corner. Yeah. But um, at least we were, you know, in the middle of the runs. So we got to see some interesting things happen and we could see, you know, they, they had repeats of all these different cars and they would do, run these car chases a lot and got to work with... Um, Tommy McGuire's stunt double, who was, was really interesting just watching the kinds of things that they were able to do and all the rigs and all that big stuff. And really, um, as one of your first, as one of my first jobs, that was something that really kind of, if I hadn't been bit, bit by the bug already, I was definitely like way under the <laughs> spell at that point, you know, because it's just so cool. Such big stuff. That's
0: awesome. And then you come back to Cincinnati, and you're like, oh, back to commercial world. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But
1: that's when I knew, you know, I saw the. I knew I wanted to be in camera department, and so I spent a lot of time watching those guys. Um, granted, there was like 16 cameras on that show, mm. um, but it was just neat. Kind of, I would go over and kind of like just watch them and and kind of talk to them a little bit. And at the time, I was um, a little more green, so I didn't know that I wasn't allowed to pick up stuff. So I'd like try to like wrap cable, and they'd be like, "Get out of here, kid." <laughs> <You> <laughs> You know, but they knew I was interested so I was at least able to talk to some people then um, and one of the things that always came up was are you gonna stay in Ohio or are you gonna move um, I ended up staying and you know several years later the tax incentive was was passed and we're kind of in a market now where there's a lot coming in and so it's it was a good opportunity but it's still something that I think all of us as filmmakers debate all the time sure. whether 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 to stay or go you
0: but know, we've um, had a, a few uh, really good um, crew members in Ohio lately moved down to Atlanta. That's uh, right. Which is in you know, a big boom right now. <laughs> it is. Uh, so, I mean, you've, you've got a few cities. you got the classic L.A., New York, Chicago for some TV stuff, but then Atlanta now has Atlanta become like and, a and massive... Atlanta New Orleans are the yeah.
1: two big ones, yeah. And really Atlanta more than New Orleans now. Atlanta's kind of...
0: The studious. Hollywood oh,
1: yeah. in terms of the feature film world. Yeah. Right now, which crazy.
0: Is cool. Yeah. So, yeah, hey... How's that debate, that internal debate played out in your head? Is it always just like, yeah, I like Cincinnati too much. I'm never leaving. Or is there always a little bit of like, I wonder,
1: there's a little bit of I wonder sure, for sure. Um, My husband's a gaffer. So the two of us um, are both obviously freelance and very dependent on the work that's come through. Um, And it's a market where um, I've been focused pulling for twelve years, so I've, I'm thinking about moving up in 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 the ranks, moving into camera operator. I also am a DP in my own right on my own mm-hmm. things, but in terms of the feature film world, um, you know, I'm primarily a focus puller um, and trying to move up. And so the idea is, when do you do th- when do you do that? How do you do that? When you do want to want to move, I tend to look at the numbers: how many people are already in this position in this market versus you know moving to another market for right now it's pretty lucrative for me because there's not that many firsts um Mm -hmm. in the union um there are two um and the other one um regularly works as a second also um so firsting is kind of my primary thing is focus pulling and um that's been great because i get every call because i'm the only call (laughs) but it would be nice to it's something that i'm also really devoted to is bringing more people in Mm -hmm. now the issue there is you want to bring enough people in to sustain the market. So you also don't want to get to a place where it's too swollen with people. Yeah. Exactly. or saturated is a great word for it. So um, both my husband, Russ, and I think about that a lot in terms of we want to build a community where outsiders can come in and be, you know, just enamored by the locations, the crew, the amount of resources they have here in Ohio, mm. but not get to a place where... We're oversaturated and people are sitting on their couch, myself included. So that's something that I think about a lot because operator is not an easy job um, Mm -hmm. in terms of almost always at least one operator, if not all of the operators on the show, will be brought in. So that's something to think about. You occasionally get a really amazing DP um, who like, like... like Juan Miaspere from the public who brought, mm-hmm. who didn't want to bring in everybody. He brought in his key, but he hired all the operators locally. He hired um, all the firsts locally and everything. And so, you know, that's great when that happens, but it doesn't always happen.
2: You and Far Between. Correct. That's a very good. Uh analytical approach to thinking about that uh, question
1: yeah unfortunately i mean it's uh, like you know and analytics is not my strong suit being an artist but you have to think about it in that regard because you know it is your livelihood but you want to you know you don't want to get to a place where you're struggling to work Mm -hmm. you know
2: and you mentioned the public uh I think you, uh, from what I heard, you made a move up. I did. In the public.
1: Yes. Um, Wanmi was um, was an amazing person to work for uh, because he's so big hearted and believes in the people that are around him. Um, I worked with Wanmi first as his, um, his A camera first. I was filling in for his, his the movie, the, the schedule of the movie pushed a little bit. Mm-hmm. His original choice, who is from New York, um, was not able to come in for a few weeks. So I worked as his A camera first for a while. Um, mostly because I am constantly doing B camera first and it was something that I was kind of, I'm also, I can key and I wanted to do that, kind of focus on that a little bit more, especially at the time I had some things happening with my personal life where I was really picking and choosing jobs very carefully. So when one me originally asked, offered me B camera first, I said, that's not something I'm interested in. He said, well, why don't you come in and be the A camera first for a while? Mm -hmm. Um, and then when Andrew comes, we'll see what happens. Well, during that time, they added a third camera. And they because they kind of there was so much work to be done and there's like it's a lot of people choice. in that yeah. yeah it was important there was a lot of people in that in that movie um, and you know it's kind of it's um, you know about there's a lot of characters kind of locked in one room pretty much the entire show so they decided they needed a third camera and as soon as they said they wanted a third camera me turned to me and said well would you like to operate yeah and I was like sure I'll stay yeah that's huge. <laughs> that sounds great you know and it, and the third camera on that show was kind of roving and we got like a lot of interesting things it was kind of he kind of left me on my own to kind of compose and as he was watching what I was doing um, Emilio Estevez who was directing the film and is also a fabulous fabulous person to work with the two of them were, Emilio and Wanmi were, dis- were discussing a second unit because they yeah. needed some shots for the opening and some kind of filler in shots and that kind of thing. And since I was a roving camera and they were watching what I was doing and they knew my documentary background, they decided, they asked me to be the second unit DP, yeah. which was awesome. Um, Huge. So we did a bunch of shots. And being a second unit DP is a lot like being a director too, because you—I mean, sometimes you have a director with you. In this case, I did not. It was myself and my assistant and like, somebody from the AD department kind of bringing in, you know, extras and things like that, but yeah. a lot of the shot composition was...
0: So left up to you to decide? Left
1: up to me. Yeah. Certainly, like, <laughs> they gave me frames that, you know, one, we went around and framed everything and said, these are the places that we want the frames to happen and that kind of thing, but then mm. left me on my own to sort of decide what that meant. Cool. And then we ended up doing a an, an additional second unit shoot um, several months afterward when they had the they had a cut of the film together and realized that they needed more shots for the opening, so we went back and did kind of a second-unit thing, which was directed um, by by Amelia via um, telephone, pretty much <laughs> exclusively, because he was still in L.A. kind of cutting, so I would send him shots, you know, and he would say, oh, that's great. And hmm. Luckily, he said that, because half the time we'd be moved on by the time he had responded. <laughs> but it was really interesting, and it was really, like, that's when I was like, okay, I love this. This is, like, operating and shooting is really... The thing that the next thing on my list is the thing that I really want to do.
0: Nice.
1: composing and lensing the film and adding elements. Of course, you have elements of storytelling and focus pulling, but there's more, a little more craft even involved in operating. So that's when I kind of fell in love with that. and um so that's one of the reasons I'm thinking of looking look moving forward. So awesome. yeah, focus pulling is still kind of one of my first loves, and it's still something that, um, obviously, I do on, on every show. So you know, and you always get to work with really interesting people that are coming in. Um, I just worked on a show um, about Ted Bundy, which mm-hmm. was interesting, and the, and the DP that came in was another up and comer that I would really wanted to work with, and was pleased with my work. So that's always nice too is to know the people here in Ohio can compete on the level on a national level. Totally. We have a lot of talent. And that's
0: no, it feels important. really good, and I think your your you know all your experience as a focus puller and as a first will serve you well as you move up the operator ranks because you know what you're asking of somebody Mm -hmm. you know what i mean
1: yeah and that that does happen a little bit that i have um dealt with a wide gamut of types of people some people that will kind of throw you to the wolves and do whatever they're going to do and you just have to chase some people that are going to be really Respectful of your craft and speak to you about, okay, I'm going to do this kind of shot and, you know, next on the next tape, I'm going to move in a little bit on this person. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's some stuff, especially as B camera, you're on a long lens. Almost yeah. exclu- exclusively, so it's kind of harder than a camera, um, and <laughs> that, <yep. laughs> no offense to the a camera first, <laughs> no. a camera first. But um, and so, but you also spend a lot of time choosing because there's times where you'll be kind of hosing down a crowd scene and and that kind of thing, and there'll be maybe several people in the frame, and so you'll decide who. It should be in focus. Mm. Usually you can tell because of whatever the story point is, but sometimes there's times where you just kind of go float from one person to another person and give kind them of a cup. Yeah. give them options, yeah. that kind of thing, which is fun. It's fun to play like that. And I, that's one of the things I do like about B Camera is that usually it's, it's, you're on a harder shot, so you're constantly working. It can be very difficult because your depth of field is small and shallow. Yeah. And you're not a ask mind about reader. A, <laughs> but, a specific
0: film. Yeah. Uh, you were on GOAT. I was. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so. I, uh, via, <laughs> via mutual friends have heard that it was dimly lit environment, kind of wide open lenses, long lens. How is, to get a little more specific, how is something like that different from a little more like on a dolly, F4, five, 6, whatever, sure. very planned out. Sure. How do, do you, how do you approach that differently? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. The thing with GOAT, too, um, it was what they call the organic style, air quotes, organic style <laughs> of filmmaking, where um, they didn't want to do a lot of rehearsal. They wanted to do a lot of improv. One camera floating around the scene, um, going from person to person, um, and all of that made it really stressful. And, yes, the low lighting was difficult, and um, long lenses was difficult. A lot of these shots were where... Were, um, DP's operating on like an easy rig or just handheld running around the scene or walking around the scene and kind of following through. And that became stressful because when you're not afforded rehearsals, which a lot of times you're not, when you're not afforded rehearsals, then you know the first take is going to be bumpy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're on a schedule like they were on where they didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of takes, I really would have preferred that they did rehearsals, but it's not really it's not under my control. So yeah. I spent a lot of time just kind of. Coming up to the DP afterward or coming or to the director because he was, you know, a director that I felt like I could talk to, um, to tell them what pieces were good, what pieces needed to be redone. Mm. Um, and in that world, you're almost like an editor in that case where you're saying, you know, you don't have this. If you really want this, you don't have this. But, yeah. you know, we have this piece of it and we have that piece of it. So these are the pieces that need to be redone. And either they say yes or they say no. And, and I'm just,
0: sure there's yeah. sometimes you approach and you're like, hey, that, that was... Uh... Take one. Yeah, you know we got we got. It. There's something on the card, but it's bumpy. It's out of focus, yeah. and then yeah. they go. It's fine. We got it. Yep. We got to move on.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: And then you die a little inside. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> a little bit, and then a little piece of you dies,
0: yeah. and then
1: um, you know, but and that's but that's kind of part of the job of being a professional is to say, you don't have it, or I didn't get it. Really, that's really not you don't have it. The way I phrase it is, I didn't get it, because yeah. then that doesn't put the um. The fault on them, even if sometimes the dolly misses their mark, or the operator doesn't get to the right place, or the actor does, changes what they're going to do. Sure. I still put it on myself, so that it doesn't feel like oh that person messed up. Yeah, you know, um, and that's something that you kind of have to you have to have enough pride to know as an you know as a focus puller when to say you don't have it because if you don't say that. Mm. And they get to the editing room and they realize they don't have it, and it's not in the script notes somewhere, or somebody hasn't told you. And they're going to give you, you're going to get an angry phone call, or you're never going to get a job again.
2: So totally, or no phone, yeah,
1: no. Or phone no phone call and just never <laughs> exactly, or no phone call ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and that's that's hard. And you know, in the last film I did a film um, last fall called Donnie Brook that was similar, where the actors were. Some of the actors were non-act were not actors. They were just people that looked like they should be in the film. And so the director's kind of style was to just go improv. Um, and so you're kind of white-knuckling it on a knob. You know, I say, turn a knob for a living, but it can be really stressful still. <laughs> um, because um, you're trying to keep it in focus. The saving grace of that particular show, they shot nearly the entire thing on a 25 mil lens. So you have nice a lot wine. more depth of field, yeah. except when you have a... A close-up shot means the camera's like a foot and a half away from the person's face. So, you know, you may be panning from something that's far away and you're kind of floating through the room and all of a sudden, whoop. (laughs) <laughs> like, exactly, like it comes Breaking into somebody's face and to, then you're like <laughs> flipping it around and you go, and you look at the at the operator and go, what the hell, <laughs> you know? I and I, um, I think we have it, you know? Yeah. And so those two films in particular, um, that kind of like organic style film can be really difficult for yeah. a focus puller. Um, we're kind of getting away from, I call it the, um, there's a little bit of an erosion of process in the sense that it used to be, okay, you block it, everybody marks it out, you light it, you come back, you rehearse it again for camera, Then you do take one. That doesn't happen a lot, especially in kind of the the land of tier ones and twos where we are, where there's not enough money to spend time on all of that because we have six pages to go. But it
0: all comes down to his time. Exactly.
1: And so when that happens, when I'm in it, I usually... Discuss that the style of what's going to happen with the with the DP in my interview, just just to get it out of the out, out of the way at the beginning and say, what kind of style are you going I'm for? Mentally do you yourself. like do you do you like rehearsals? Will you will you will you do rehearsals? Um, and sometimes yes, I like them. No, we can't do them. So um, you know, but then you say, okay, well then you know what kind of film you know that as long as you're okay with me not being perfect on the first take, mm-hmm. then we're fine. You know, and um, luckily for. Um, the show that I just did, The Ten Bundy Show, was kind of a doc style because the director comes from a documentary background. Yeah. So he liked that kind of finding it idea. Um, and so there were times when on that film I would pull slowly on purpose to try to find something. Got it. Or if you were kind of the good, you know, if, if they were, especially on the B camera, there was a lot of changing around and that, that operator was, was very, was moving a lot and was changing things between takes. Um and so there'd be times when, you know, a push in wouldn't be exactly perfect or, you know, there'd be frames that were out, but it was okay for the style. Got that you. doesn't always work. For for GOAT, which is the movie you asked about earlier, it was a similar thing. It was kind of this, like gritty kind of yeah. verite style. And they so cool, it right? was okay. Yeah. You know, and so you you learn you learn you learn to understand your parameters, whether or not it's okay or not. And mm. sometimes, depending on the D P, you can start playing on your own and if you feel like you have the room to, you can do something and I, you can try something. And then, if they don't like it, they'll tell you. And sure. if they do like it, sometimes they'll tell you. For example, I was on *The Blunderer* several years ago with a DP named Chris Seeker, who is a British phenomenal. DP, yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal guy. That movie Just looks gorgeous. Oozing love out of every pore of his be- being. And so there were times where <clears throat> I would make choices. Then, and, and you know, there was one one shot where we were. Um, it was in a car Patrick uh, Wilson played the lead Vincent Carthizer was the this cop that was kind of like chasing this guy and so we were on a, on a shot looking through the car window on the passenger side with Patrick in the foreground and Vincent in the background we were only on Patrick mm. they're having a conversation and then at one point Patrick gets up out of the car and I racked to Vincent now, I wouldn't always do that necessarily because if I hadn't been told to, I might not depending on the type of DP. But because I knew Chris and he'd be cool with it, he'd be like either we use it or we don't because they can cut it out. Yeah. And so I did that and he kind of came up to me and went, "Well done. You saved me a shot. We uh, don't have to we don't have to turn around." And I was like, "Great." <laughs> you know, and it was nice of him to say that too. Not everybody will will say, will, yeah. some people will take it and say, "Well, I didn't I ask for that, that. <laughs> you know, yeah. or some people say, what the hell? I didn't ask for that. Don't ever do that again. Sure. Either in a nice or not so nice tone. I've had people scream at me, you know, yeah. so you learn depending on the style of the film and depending on the style of the DP or the operator, what your parameters are and what you can and can't do.
0: Sure. But that's got to feel good. Those moments that does happen because this is such a collaborative industry. So when the higher ups, you know, and it trickles down that, hey, I appreciate your craft. I'm going to let you kind of bring your take to it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Yep. It You get a better product yep. in the end, I think. I think so, too. By relying on everyone's strengths that you bring to the table.
1: Absolutely. It Like you said, it's a collaborative art, and you know whatever level of technician you are you know that you can't do do it alone you know and so I do the wow. same as a key in my department I do the same for the people under me you know because I know like it's not glamorous to be running cable or you know taking batteries or bringing the operator coffee or whatever it is that people are doing you mm. know or you know seconding is a very difficult job too um, pro- in, in ways somewhat more difficult than focus pulling just in terms of an organizational sense so I'm constantly thankful for you know being thankful for your crew
2: mm. thanking
1: people at the end of the day thanking people for Doing something well. Um, you know, people tell me I'm a little bit scary. <laughs> um, but um, so, you know, but I used to. You're just serious. I came up through the Eat Your Young School of Filmmaking. Yeah. So I did. There was a little bit of that, you know, you have to instill fear. In people in the camera department, because what you're working with is really expensive.
0: Sure.
1: But not in a way that is going to make people feel like they don't have the room to do what they need to do. They just need to be careful. Yep. And they just need to be responsible.
0: Strong tone.
1: So, yeah. So, I I do have an intense resting face. And, yes, I am serious. but um,
0: In a good way, though. In a good way.
1: You know, people see me running around on set and go, oh, my God, you look like... you look angry and I go, I'm just concentrating because what I'm doing is really difficult. And on some films, I'm happier than I am on others. Donnybrook was a very difficult process for me, so I wasn't the happiest person to be around, you know? <laughs> but um, come to the end of the day, I'll still buy you a drink, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like, during the day, it was a very difficult process. Um, there was a lot of times where there would the, the first take would be different. The second take would be different than the first take. Um, there was a lot of action in that movie. It was a yeah. cage-fighting movie, so there was a lot of action involved. And so it was like... Mm. really stressful for me
0: and smiling takes away energy from brain power
1: it does so you need <laughs> all
2: those calories for you do. you
1: do for your <laughs> eyes so your eyes don't go cross-eyed as you're staring yeah. at the monitor
2: And you kind of glossed over some of the other stuff that a first ac does so yeah. like for the people who don't know yeah. like besides like ac pulls focus what else does an ac do
1: they're in charge of the camera making sure that it's fully powered making sure that the right lens is on the camera making sure that the right um Let's say you have a zoom lens. Making sure that the rock and r- the right handle is on there, so the operator can oper- can can operate the zoom. Um, making sure it's balanced and and ready to go. And um, so that's all your all of the jobs that you're doing. So, as people are setting a shot, you follow the DP or the operator around. And once the the lenses are assigned to each camera, then you. Um, it's my job. I call out the lens. The second brings the lens to me because, um, as a first, you're con- you're gonna want to be standing next to the camera and or the operator at all In case times. anything changes. <laughs> so yeah, exactly because things change on a mo- on a second's notice. On a, yeah. you know as you know it, uh, as well. Um, and so, you know, I stand next to the camera. I call out what I need. The second brings it to me. I'll change the lens. Um, make sure that the that it's dialed into my remote focus. Generally um, these days we use remotes. We don't um, pull um, on the barrel as much anymore. It depends on the type of shot and the type of operator. Um, some operators still like you to be next to them um, and pulling you know, on the wheel and kind of uh, an organic unit it's not always easy. Um, I know you've operated even some handheld shots where people are wanting to be next to you, mm-hmm. um, which is a different style, you know, sure. and it just depends on, and generally, I'm, I've am i developed a technique where I'm good at either. Mm-hmm. So it depends, I will leave it up to the operator or this, the type of shot that we're doing to kind of determine that style. So anyway, so once, um, so I set the lens properly, I set the remote um, to make sure that everything's um, properly dialed in so you can pull focus and then Um, You're setting the camera up, um, making sure that whether it needs a slider or a hi-hat or whatever the the build of the specific camera is, and then you have a chance. Once it's all prepared, then you start taking marks if you haven't done so already. Um, You start um, looking at the shot, and you start kind of working with the operator a little bit of like, okay, well, here's where I might go. Here's where I might go based on the blocking that you've seen if you get a blocking rehearsal. Um, (laughs) Usually you get a blocking rehearsal, so you've got marks on the floor where the second ACs have marked out where the actors are. So then I immediately start taking marks, which is essentially taking a distance measurement between where the camera is and where the actor is going to be, and then maybe where they're going to move to. Um, and so once I feel dialed in for that, then, you know, you can take a moment for yourself to go grab a water or go to the bathroom or whatever. And then, you know, as soon as everybody else is ready, then you come back for ideally a camera rehearsal where they're showing you what they're going to do with the camera. Sometimes you don't get that. Sometimes they just do a take. And when they do that, when they say, okay, let's just, you know, let's just shoot the rehearsal is what they call it. Um, And when that happens, generally I'll have my first assistant who's, um, or my second assistant who's doing the slate, I'll have them write a little R next to the take Mm -hmm. so that the... people so the editors and so everybody knows that it's a rehear that it's really a rehearsal. You yeah. know? They don't
2: think um, it's a full take one. Yeah.
1: Right. Mostly that's just to save everybody because so if there is a, a mistake.
2: One R and then one so,
1: afterwards? No then it would you would just go to two okay. at that point. Yeah. So it would just be like scene eleven, uh, take one with a little R next to it. And you don't actually say the R, it's just four for, for our protection. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so then during the shot, you're um, obviously pulling focus as you go along. And then generally, especially if you're like handheld or something, they call cut. You walk over to the camera operator. You take the camera off their shoulder. Sometimes you have a camera grip that does that for you. Sometimes you don't. So sometimes you'll be actually, you know, taking the camera back and forth and then just making sure it's powered up and ready to go at all times. You know, the second ACs are also paying attention to like the battery on my monitor, the battery on the camera, making sure that. Everything's powered properly. Everybody's got the image properly and all that kind of stuff. But you're also the last line of defense. Like, if, you know, my monitor goes down in the middle of the shot, that's, you know, on the second AC, but it's kind of also on me for not w- looking at it and, you know, saying, hey, this, you know, this is, mm. this is going to, this is going to die. Cause that's happened to me before where, you know, your monitor goes down in the middle of the shot and then you're just kind of, you're relying back on like your old focus pulling skills of like triangulation and like trying to see where everybody is Film and all style. that kind of yeah. stuff, you know. So do you so, prefer
2: the pull focus? Uh, that way, or through a monitor.
1: I prefer. I do both. Always. Um, you, generally, what I do is, I when I when I have a shot, um, I will set the monitor in a place that's kind of in triangulation between where the actor is and where the camera is, so that I can constantly see them see the when I, whenever possible so I can see the operator. There's been times where you get stuck into another room, that kind of thing, I don't really like that. Mm-hmm. Some ACs prefer it to kind of be not on set and just be hiding in some little room all the time um, somewhere um, and just kind of be doing it remotely and have those, their skills are really sharp that way, but I came up from through a film environment where we didn't have you know, the monitor that you had was a shitty video tap, and mm-hmm. you couldn't really yeah. tell what it looked like. And so you'd have to be on point with knowing your distances and knowing where that person is. And so I would take, you take a lot of meticulous marks and that kind of thing. And I still do that when we do film film jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, Old Man and the Gun was a film job. And so, and that was just this past year. And so you're still constant. you're taking a lot of marks, and you're, that slows everything down when you are on film. Um, but I still keep those sensibilities because technology will will fail always you know and so when you do all you have left is yourself and that's something that came back from when i was speaking about marco earlier when he was telling me taught me how to how to pull that was one of the first things he said is like you have to make sure that at all times you're covered in three different ways because you never know what's going to happen
0: sure so so what you're saying is we can just put the camera on autofocus and we're good <laughs>
1: Good luck with that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I kid, I kid. You know, I, I don't mean, think that'll ever happen. There's so much that goes into your job. There
1: is, and it's 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 that. not easy. I mean. It's stressful because you do have to be perfect all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody does. Everybody has to be on their game. But it could be lit really well. It could be a really great take for the actor. They could have an amazing costume and they could look like luminously beautiful. But if they're out of focus, then you have to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know. And so it doesn't. You know. In the end, it kind of like you're like the last line of defense. Sure. That's the other thing I spend a lot of time doing um, before we do before we actually do a take I watch I look at the monitor and I try to kind of help the other departments cuz there's not always a lot of monitors on set too so you know I'll try to you know l- look at the image and kind of think of myself as a last line of defense in that regard as well to say hey uh, there's a, there's a you know there's a stinger in the shot or you know what like you should probably raise the boom a little bit or you know hey he's hey he's tilting up so you need to move up at this point that kind mm-hmm. of thing so I I kind of try to protect the image when I can because I know I have a monitor all the time yeah And I let technicians come up and look at my monitor a lot um, just because they don't have one. You know, it bothers me while I'm pulling, but but in between, sure, come on up and look at it. You know, a lot of times it's zoomed in and it's black and white and it doesn't look like the image, you know, what the image is going to look like. And I do that on purpose so people don't look while I'm pulling focus. But when I'm not, I'll flip it back to a normal mode so that if people want to, they can look at it because there's some sets where... They just never have a monitor anywhere, totally. so, which can be difficult for a DP and can be, I mean, can, you know, usually he has a monitor, but like the gaffer or the key grip or, so, you know, the sound guy is like, we're about to roll and he's like, can I please get a frame line? Because nobody <laughs> can see it, you know, and yeah. so it can be really, really difficult.
0: It's, it's double edged. I think the more monitors you have on set, the more voices you're going to have dictating things you maybe don't want interfered with. That's right. Creatively, yeah. but then also you give them that option to fix issues or to contribute to a better film so in a client-based situation i know that
1: you and i have talked about this a lot because there's been um situations where i've worked with you on client based situations where too many monitors can be difficult or the placement of the monitor is really important like as far away from us as possible (laughs) um so it takes them a long time to walk into the room and hopefully you've done a take before they can get there no but it's um you know in that kind of client-based commercial environment, um, it's still, I think, important because there's a lot of money riding on it too. And so everybody wants to get it right and you mm-hmm. want to make sure that things are are, are, are being handled well. But um, that's one of the things as in terms of moving up in the world and talking about moving into um, different spheres of the of the industry of thinking about whether or not I'm going to, you know, be a DP. I don't know if like commercial DP is a, is a thing that I've seen a lot of people, worked with a lot of people and I just go, God, I'm glad I'm because <laughs> my job's hard but that job is difficult as well yeah. the so. client
0: the client aspect adds a whole new whole yeah. new layer
1: yeah
0: it's one thing to deal with a, just a director on a narrative project but then you add in the brand supervisor or whatever who may oh. not
1: be paying attention until Man. you're lit and yeah. then goes oh wait actually <laughs> it's supposed to be purple <laughs> yeah. Like, What? yeah exactly yeah stop texting yeah
0: anyway my god so Lots of experiences in AC. Um, can, we, can we touch on one other thing maybe that we didn't hit a lot is the sure. uh, kind of crew management aspect?
1: Yeah. Um, in terms of as an assistant? As, as a first, yeah. yeah. So
0: your time, and maybe the public is a good, good example, starting off keying the show, helping set all that up. Uh, what is different from a first, like key? To be first. Okay. In terms of, so we know the skill set. Sure. What's the added added intangible? Issue. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, crew management is a big one. Um, also, um, generally the A camera will have, if there's a steady cam, generally it'll be on A. So there'll be a little bit more building involved in between s- setups. Um, the big thing the, um, is crew management and gear management, um, ordering the extra gear on mm-hmm. days when there's maybe a third additional camera or, or, or that kind of thing. Um, Hiring all the crew um, and then generally just being in charge of the moves of things Um, you have. What I generally do when I'm a key is I make um, both of my assistants, Joe and Wu, um, have dry erase calendars now because I'm really kind of intensely into having calendars in my in my um, in my truck because you have to deal with the flow of movement of gear um, special equipment days anytime you have a crane anytime you have any underwater work anytime you have you know um, camera cars or any of that kind of stuff all that has to be included in that special equipment list so that you know okay we have to order the underwater housing by wednesday so that we can have it there you know so that it can be there by friday for you know so we can build it and it can be ready and then things change on a moment's notice so you know dryer Mm. waste is important (laughs) um because you can kind of move things around but that's, pencil, that's yeah I'll
0: pencil that in <laughs>
1: exactly quite literally yeah um so, so that's that's the job of the key first is to kind of also be in the dp or the a camera operator's back pocket so that you have an idea of what's happening next like okay you know and and the one that's – if there's anybody that's going to go to the ad and be and be saying you know Where are we on the day? How many more shots do we have? When are we going to make that move? That's the A camera. Usually the A camera first. Or the A camera, would the the first will delegate to the A camera second, who kind of ends up being that sort of hiring, you know, actually ordering the gear. The A camera, the first will take it from the DP and say, you know, look through the list and say, make sure we have everything we need and then they'll hand it off to the second to actually order the gear. Mm. So the A camera second is kind of almost works like a best boy in that regard um, because we don't really have a best boy in the camera department. I wish we did. Um, By the way, is that that term going to change? I hope not
2: best
0: boy?
1: I hope not. Honestly, because it's best not person. really it's not about gender. Gender. Yeah. You know, it's just it's it's film is a is a long-standing tradition. Actually, oh, I those term, terms terms I'm, come I'm from shipping.
0: Facetious, but, yeah. But I
1: hope honestly I hope not because people have asked me that question like <laughs> yeah. would you be preferred to be called the best girl and it's no. like no because First that's of all, a woman. distinction. You yeah. know, yeah, but that's a distinction that like, you know, what are you saying yeah. at that point? You it's know? tradition.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, it's
1: tradition. Exactly.
0: Um,
1: so yeah, so that's that's kind of the 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 break the the A camera the B camera first is generally just solely focus pulling, Yeah. not running the department necessarily. Um, and generally the A less camera. stress. Which is less stress yeah. in that regard, um, because generally um, as a local, you may not know the op- the DP that's coming in. And so a lot of times they'll bring in their A camera and then they they have a great relationship so they kind of know how to talk to each other, which is nice. There's been plenty of times where I have learned on the fly how to deal with a specific, you know, the specific needs of an op, of a DP, yeah. Chris Seeger, for example. Um, you also get people who come in from out of the country, so. Um, you know, you're dealing with language differences and that kind of thing, and and kind of kind of kind of trying to teach someone how the American system works. Mm. Sometimes you're kind of that liaison between the DP and kind of even almost the rest of the rest of the crew. Certainly the rest of your department, but sometimes the rest of the crew because they're one. Of, you're one of the first person people that gets hired that's really close to the DP, yeah. taking care of their needs as a person. Also,
0: sure. Um, you know, and that's the weird thing about our industry is that every person is entirely different. The way true. they think, the way they act, the way they talk. You need to learn their quirks. Yep. If they get easily upset when this happens, mm-hmm. don't do that. Right. You know?
1: Right. And you kinda of learn from mistake almost sometimes. People management. Yeah. yeah, it's people management. When you realise, oh, okay, this guy really gets frustrated if X Y or Z happens, then don't do X sure. Y or Z. Yeah. You know, and then and some people are more flexible than others and that kind of thing. You know? Yeah. And like I like the the D P of um of Donnie Brook, which we just did, was from France. So he's done some American shows, but, um, you know, there's some language barrier there and some some interesting conversation between how things are done in France and how things are done here and kind of trying to help him, like, learn the union system and all of that kind of stuff. You're almost like a liaison Mm. in that regard, too.
0: Crazy. Yeah. It's a complicated industry. It right?
1: is a complicated industry. And the camera <laughs> department can be really complicated because there are so many levels. There's also, you know, the loader is still a job that exists because even in digital, you still take the mags to the, you know, and, and, and bring them back and quality check them and all that kind of stuff. There's utility position, which is sort of like the lowest, the the, the, the base level position of of making sure batteries are charged and, you know, Running getting coffee and, is yeah. like... <laughs> So important to camera operator or to to people in the camera department. Coffee and le croix are like le croix, like. Like bourbon to them, you know. Like you yeah. have to make sure that everybody's well watered and well caffeinated, because um, people get cranky, yeah. you know. So there's a lot of that kind of people management stuff, and unfortunately, the the utility kind of gets beat up a little bit in that regard sometimes. With like, <laughs> you, you have know, a good
0: attitude, and yeah, you that's... have to have
1: a good attitude, and you have to be flexible in our department. But you have to also like, it's best to be quiet. It's best to be organized. It's best yeah. to be on top of things. It's best to always keep like one eye on the person above you, um, one eye on what you're doing, and one eye on the person above you because. Because th- again, things can change in a moment's notice. Yeah. One of my favorite um, adages is "Do nothing, stay ahead." <laughs> because sometimes you think, "Okay, we're gonna have a company move. Let's start moving all of our stuff over here." And then they go, "Actually, like that's not gonna happen right now. So everything has to come back through the set." Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> that's sometimes been pushed
0: today, we're staying here. Right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. So you know, you, you get to where you're gonna be, and you try to do the best that you can to get yourself organized and ready to do whatever comes next. But don't work too many steps ahead.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good advice. (laughs) Crazy. Speaking of a step ahead, real quick, um, like where do you? uh, You talked about maybe moving up um, in your position. Like, Mm -hmm. is that where you see yourself going? Yeah, I really, I really liked operating.
1: Yeah, in the next couple, and again, it's something to think about because, um, because of the of the nature of how things are built in our market and wanting to get more people into the area. But yes, operating would be is definitely something that I enjoy doing. It's a little bit less stressful. I mean, it's stressful in its own ways. It's got its own skill set involved, but I spent a good amount of time away from the film industry last summer um, for personal reasons, and then when I came back in the fall and I started pulling again, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. <laughs> I don't like this person that I am. So I, that, again, has made me think about it again because, like, because of the level of stress that's involved with it, it's just I'm I'm already a little bit of a Um, over-analytical person, put it that way, and so um, adding all those layers of stress is something you have to kind of not take ownership of and you have to kind of have a a barrier. So I've been thinking about working on that and so I've been thinking about, when, when thinking about operating, I really enjoyed that experience a little bit more and there's a stress on a different level and I'm ready to kind of move forward into learning new skills and doing something that's different.
0: Totally. I think so. But all those stressors, I mean, that's why we have bourbon. So. Exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. That's why we get, and well, that's one of the things I love the best about the camera department as opposed to production, for example, where you shut the doors on the truck and that lift gate goes up and then you're done for the day. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to think about what's, I mean, you think about what's going to happen tomorrow, but you can put it down,
0: you yeah. know. At the every, end of the day, that's t- all the things for tomorrow have already been have already been put in
1: place and ideally you're just going to walk in and you're going to do your job and it's going to be great you know and so i I do love that about our department that it's it's interesting it's creative and you're working with with so many different people When the camera department you're always in the middle of everything you know like you're in the middle of the action you're in the middle of the set you're not that pa that's on lockup six blocks (laughs) away you know you're in the middle of that thing and that truck's going to come at You you know, and some people don't like that kind of thing, but I'm into that kind of thing. And I like to be in the middle of it. And I like to see what's going on. I like to see all the action, which is where the aviation photography comes in, too. I mean, one of the best things about our industry is we see everything kind of through the back door. You know, like I've been to the Maker's Mark factory and dipped a screwdriver into that wax. You know, I've been on a P-51 in the back of a P-51 Mustang. World War II Mustang plane that most people haven't if they haven't been in World War II have not been in you mm-hmm. know so there's a lot of things in our industry that we get to see we get to I've been to the stables at Churchill Downs right yeah. before the Derby Derby you know it's interesting stuff usually and you work with interesting people and a lot of interesting stuff but you have to be you have to be a, a, at a level where you're prepared to um, work with things that are really expensive and in situations that are not that are unusual. Yeah. It's not for everybody because not everybody likes getting up and doing something different every day, but it works for me.
0: Speaking of what it takes and you know kind of demeanor and skill sets that you have to have to do your job, there are probably a lot of people listening right now that are like, "Oh man, yeah, that that's where I want to get to. I, I want to I want to be doing what Amy's doing." How do you what do you what can you say I guess in your in your position now to somebody like that that's maybe starting out, they're non-union, maybe they've done a few you know, pseudo focus polar jobs on like a video set. And they're looking They're like, okay, maybe I do maybe joining the union as a utility and working my way up that way. Anything that you'd like to kind of pass along and say things to think about or good mm-hmm. luck.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, good luck. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> um, no, I think um, the union, first of all, is a really big thing. You know, whether do I join, do I not join? The reason that it's a big deal for the camera department specifically is because of the dues are a lot higher than they are in some of the other unions. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more, shall I say, compartmentalized, where if you come in as a utility, you can only you have to re-rate before you get up to second AC. And then you can do second and first thing and then you have to re-rate up to operator. Um, So that's a big deal for a lot of people. I say at this point, I still think it's really worth doing. In the environment that we're in, in Ohio, where we have the tax incentive, there's a lot of stuff coming in. It's growing. There's a bigger market happening. Um, Plus, it's a national union, so you can take it anywhere, even if you don't stay in Ohio. Please do. But, um, you know, because I get plenty of people that come to me and want to start and then say, "Okay, well, I'm going to move to L.A., which is fine. You know, go get your experience if you want to. But we need good people here in Ohio. So, you know, if you want to stay, joining the union is a smart choice. Um, but it can be difficult at first because, you know, you're kind of, they give you two years to pay it off. So, you know, it's not like you have to put a whole chunk of money up front. But I think it's important. I resisted it for many years. I've only been in the union for five years. Mm. I started in the union when I, I was kind of saying to myself, well, I'll wait for the right opportunity to come along. And once the tax incentive got passed, that was a good opportunity for me to join. You know, I got a call from a show that said, hey, um, the the producer of Carol said, hey, I want to put you on the show and I was like okay great then I'm going to pull the trigger you know Um, waiting for the right moment I still think is important you know get yourself up to take every opportunity that comes along you may get like some small reality show that calls or a TV show or a commercial or um, that kind of thing where you can get as much experience as you can use your you know your friends and the network to kind of get some experience, maybe not in the professional world, but then at least you've pulled focus a couple of times before you come in and try to you know, say, hey, this is something I want to do, because you may not like it. So certainly be sure before you join, join the union, but if you're interested in the camera department, you can always join as a utility um, or you know, kind of camera PA type position, and then work your way up. And then you haven't spent a ton of money mm-hmm. and realize that it's not something that you want. Um, having the tools of the trade is always really important too. Um, but there is some, obviously, financial concerns involved with that. So I would say get as much experience as you can, especially if you want to specifically be a focus puller. Try to do it as much as you can before you make any real commitments, because it is a difficult job. And it can be, um, you know, pe- it, it has a high turnover rate. Yeah. We'll say it that way. But mm-hmm. take up every opportunity you can and be tena- be tenacious about it.
2: And, Amy, if people wanted to learn more about you, is there a way that they could...
1: Uh, yeah. Hold you yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm I've got Uh, I've got a little bit of a website up right now. Um, It's from, it's, uh, I'm also on the board of the Cincinnati, the Women in Film Cincinnati, which is another thing that's um, kind of a fledgling organization. It's been going for two years, but my um, information is on that website, um, underneath the contact information. Um, I can certainly put my email or whatever up on on your site as well if people Mm. have more questions. Um, I'd be happy to, you know, sometimes I I sit down and have coffee with people that are interested in the industry and kind of talking through, you know, what that means for them. I'm happy to, to try to approach people or to have people approach me if they have questions.
2: Cool. Coffee nice. or bourbon?
1: Yes, coffee or bourbon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As I am learning more and more about bourbon from you guys.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, yeah, we never claim to be experts. We just enjoy it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, I think it, it's a lifetime hobby anyway, so it's That's hard to be awesome. an expert.
0: No. Yeah, you, you just got to build that up. Exactly. Build up your palate. Well, Amy, thank you
2: so much for coming on.
1: You're welcome. Uh, Frank.
0: Any uh, um, recaps? Any uh...
2: yeah. So uh, from before, uh, just remember that uh, if you don't have the skills, uh, if you I'm sorry, let me start over. If you have the skills, flaunt it. If you don't, just be honest with where yes. you're coming from. Absolutely. And um, we want to know from from you uh, you all on the audience. Um, uh, what does your focus pulling setup look like? Uh, are you attached? Are you wireless? What type of tools are you using? monitors are a big thing nowadays yeah what monitor ha- are you using having
1: your own monitor is a yeah. big deal
2: yeah and if you uh, if you liked uh, what uh, Amy has uh, talked about today uh, please subscribe and leave a rating and review absolutely and follow us on social media at FTB podcast. Do
1: dot, com? It? <laughs> dot com <laughs> dot com <laughs> <net> <laughs> dot com anyway, dot anyway. <laughs>
0: Anything. awesome Amy well let me cheers you again yes <laughs> long time overdue
1: yeah thanks guys
0: thanks for coming on
1: thank you This podcast is produced by Frank Steele and recorded live at Gwyn Sound Studio. Find out more at gwynsound.com.